Chapter One, Part Two of *The House in the Mist* by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter One, Part Two: An Open Door. But her appearance, heralded by many a puff and pant, which the damp air exaggerated in a prodigious way, did not seem to warrant the interest I had shown in it as she stepped into the room i saw only a big frowsy woman who had attempted to make a show with a new silk dress and a hat in the latest fashion but who had lamentably failed owing to the slouchiness of her figure and some misadventure by which her hat had been set awry on her head and her usual complacency destroyed later i noted that her down-looking eyes had a false twinkle in them and that commonplace as she looked she was one to steer clear of in times of necessity and distress she too evidently expected to find the door open and people assembled but she had not anticipated being confronted by the portrait on the wall and cringed in an unpleasant way as she stumbled by it into one of the ill-lighted corners the old man who had doubtless caught the rustle of her dress as she passed him emitted one short sentence almost late said he her answer was a sputter of words it's the fault of that driver she complained if he had taken one drop more at the halfway house i might really not have got here at all that would not have inconvenienced you but oh what a grudge i would have owed that skinflint brother of ours here she shook her fist at the picture for making our good luck depend upon our arrival within two short strokes of the clock there are several to come yet blandly observed the lawyer but before the words were well out of his mouth we all became aware of a new presence a woman whose sombre grace and quiet bearing gave distinction to her unobtrusive entrance and caused a feeling of something like awe to follow the first sight of her cold features and deep heavily fringed eyes but this soon passed in the more human sentiment awakened by the soft pleading which infused her gaze with a touching femininity she wore a long loose garment which fell without a fold from chin to foot and in her arms she seemed to carry something never before had i seen so beautiful a woman as i was contemplating her with respect but yet with a masculine intentness i could not quite suppress two or three other persons came in and now i began to notice that the eyes of all these people turned mainly one way and that was toward the clock another small circumstance likewise drew my attention whenever any one entered and there were only one or two additional arrivals during the five minutes preceding the striking of the hour a frown settled for an instant on every brow giving to each and all a similar look for the interpretation of which i lacked the key yet not on every brow either there was one which remained undisturbed and showed only a grand patience 
as the hands of the big clock neared the point of eight a furtive smile appeared on more than one face and when the hour rang out a sigh of satisfaction swept through the room to which the little old lawyer responded with a worldly wise grunt as he moved from his place and proceeded to the door this he had scarcely shut when a chorus of voices rose from without three or four lingerers had pushed their way as far as the gate only to see the door of the house shut in their faces too late growled old man luke from between the locks of his long beard too late shrieked the woman who had come so near being late herself too late smoothly acquiesced the lawyer locking and bolting the door with a deft and assured hand but the four or five persons who thus found themselves barred out did not accept without a struggle the decision of the more fortunate ones assembled within more than one hand began pounding on the door and we could hear cries of the train was behind time your clock is fast you are cheating on us you want it all for yourselves we will have the law on you and other bitter adjurations unintelligible to me from my ignorance of the circumstances which called them forth but the weary old lawyer simply shook his head and answered nothing whereat a murmur of gratification rose from within and a howl of almost frenzied dismay from without which latter presently received point from a startling vision which now appeared at the casement where the lights burned a man's face looked in and behind it that of a woman so wild and maddened by some sort of heartbreak that i found my sympathies aroused in spite of the glare of evil passions which made both of these countenances something less than human but the lawyer met the stare of these four eyes with a quiet chuckle which found its echo in the ill-advised mirth of those about him and moving over to the window where they still peered in he drew together the two heavy shutters which hitherto had stood back against the wall and fastening them with a bar shut out the sight of this despair if he could not shut out the protests which ever and anon were shouted through the keyhole meanwhile one form had sat through this whole incident without a gesture and on the quiet brow from which i could not keep my eyes no shadows appeared save the perpetual one of native melancholy which was at once the source of its attraction and the secret of its power into what sort of gathering had i stumbled and why did i prefer to await developments rather than ask the simplest question of any one about me meanwhile the lawyer had proceeded to make certain preparations with the help of one or two willing hands he had drawn the great table into the middle of the room and having seen the candles restored to their places began to open his small bag and take from it a roll of paper and several flat documents laying the letter in the centre of the table and slowly unrolling the former he consulted with his foxy eyes the faces surrounding him and smiled with secret malevolence 
as he noted that every chair and every form were turned away from the picture before which he had bent with such obvious courtesy on entering i alone stood erect and this possibly was why a gleam of curiosity was noticeable in his glance as he ended his scrutiny of my countenance and bent his gaze again upon the paper he held heavens thought i what shall i answer this man if he asks me why i continued to remain in a spot where i have so little business the impulse came to go but such was the effect of this strange convocation of persons at night and in a mist which was itself a nightmare that i failed to take action and remained riveted to my place while mr smeed consulted his role and finally asked in a business-like tone quite unlike his previous sarcastic speech the names of those whom he had the pleasure of seeing before him the old man in the chair spoke up first luke westonor he announced very good responded the lawyer hector westonor came from the thin man a nod and a look toward the next john westonor nephew asked the lawyer yes go on and be quick supper will be ready at nine eunice westonor spoke up a soft voice i felt my heart bound as if some inner echo responded to that name daughter of whom hudson westonor she gently faltered my father is dead died last night i am his only heir a grumble of dissatisfaction and a glint of unrelieved hate came from the doubled-up figure whose malevolence had so revolted me but the lawyer was not to be shaken very good it is fortunate you trusted your feet rather than the train and now you what is your name he was looking not at me as i had first feared but at the man next to me a slim but slippery youth whose small red eyes made me shudder william witherspoon barbara's son yes where are your brothers one of them i think is outside here he laughed the other is sick the way he uttered this word made me set him down as one to be especially weary of when he smiled but then i had already passed judgment on him at my first view and you madam this to the large dowdy woman with the uncertain eye a contrast to the young and melancholy eunice janet clapsaddle she replied waddling hungrily forward and getting unpleasantly near the speaker for he moved off as she approached and took his stand in the clear place at the head of the table very good mistress clapsaddle you were a westerner i believe you believe sneak-faced hypocrite that you are she blurted out i don't understand your lawyer ways i like plain speaking myself don't you know me and luke and hector and-and most of us indeed except that puny white-faced girl yonder whom having been brought up on the other side of the ridge we have none of us seen since she was a screaming baby in hildegarde's arm and the young gentleman over there here she indicated me 
who shows so little likeness to the rest of the family he will have to make it pretty plain who his father was before we shall like acknowledging him either as the son of one of eustace's girls or a chip from brother salmon's hard old block as this caused all eyes to turn upon me even hers i smiled as i stepped forward the lawyer did not return that smile what is your name he asked shortly and sharply as if he distrusted me you austin was my quiet reply there is no such name on the list snapped old smeed with an authoritative gesture towards those who seemed anxious to enter a protest probably not i returned for i am neither a witherspoon a westerner nor a clapsaddle i am merely a chance wayfarer passing through the town on my way west i thought this house was a tavern or at least a place i could lodge in the man i met in the doorway told me as much and so i am here if my company is not agreeable or if you wish this room to yourselves let me go into the kitchen i promise not to meddle with the supper hungry as i am or perhaps you wish me to join the crowd outside it seems to be increasing no no came from all parts of the room don't let the door be opened nothing could keep lemuel and his crowd out if they once got foot over the threshold the lawyer rubbed his chin he seemed to be in some sort of quandary first he scrutinized me from under his shaggy brows with a sharp gleam of suspicion then his features softened and with a side glance at the young woman who called herself eunice perhaps because she was worth looking at perhaps because she had partly risen at my words he slipped toward a door i had before observed in the wainscoting on the left of the mantelpiece and softly opened it upon what looked like a narrow staircase we cannot let you go out said he and we cannot let you have a finger in our viands before the hour comes for serving them so if you will be so good as to follow this staircase up to the top you will find it ends in a room comfortable enough for the wayfarer you call yourself in that room you can rest till the way is clear for you to continue your travels better we cannot do for you this house is not a tavern but the somewhat valuable property of he turned with a bow and a smile as every one there drew a deep breath but no one ventured to end that sentence i would have given all my future prospects which by the way were not very great to remain in that room the oddity of the situation the mystery of the occurrence the suspense i saw in every face the eagerness of the cries i heard redoubled from time to time outside the malevolence but poorly disguised in the old lawyer's countenance and above all the presence of that noble-looking woman which was the one offset to the general tone of villainy with which the room was charged filled me with curiosity if i might call it by no other name that made my acquiescence in the demand thus made upon me positively heroic but there seemed no other course for me to follow and with a last lingering glance at the genial fire and a quick look about me which happily encountered hers 
i stooped my head to suit the low and narrow doorway opened for my accommodation and instantly found myself in darkness the door had been immediately closed by the lawyer's impatient hand End of chapter one part two